The journal is brought to you by Treason. Don't just blend, become. Splitting image taxidermy. Thoughtful, thorough, thankful. Maxis Tires. Covering PHs over any terrain. Magnum Archery. Black Widow Broadheads. Always deadly. Carbon Core Arrows. 100% premium carbon. PH Toolbox. Helping you make your own adventure. Hey guys, and yet, welcome to another episode of the PH Journal's podcast, The Journal. Um, A <laughs> little bit of a different setting at the moment for those of you that are listening. Uh, we are outside here in the Boma area um, of Hunters Hill, and it's a beautiful day. That's partly why we're getting into this discussion today. Absolutely stunning day. The sun is beating down. It's it's a scorchingly hot day, and um, but one one it's part of the reason why I felt it was so necessary. Uh, to have this sort of discussion today and we'll get into a little bit later Um, just once again just a big shout out to everybody Uh, congratulations to Luke uh, that won the trees in hamper Um, really uh, appreciate everybody that has uh, entered and and supported the 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 competition Um, yeah just going into the season it's been it's 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 going to be one with met with many many challenges, but at the same time one that I'm extremely excited about. So to to those of you that are watching this on YouTube, guys, please hit the subscribe button, turn on the notifications, and if you enjoyed this episode, drop a thumbs up. Uh, all of this helps for the long period and and really just keeps me motivated and helps for the long run for me to keep doing shows like this. Well, guys, to get into today's discussion, I wanted to discuss with you, and it's a it's a topic that's popularly come up and, and been asked uh, all over social media platforms, as well as uh, it was asked at a couple of the, the shows that we were at in, in the States, and that's time of year to come out and hunt. Now, this is met with a lot of controversy, uh, a lot of different opinions, but at the same time... Um, I think it offers a great, um, a great, how can I say, like a great way to experience Africa in a different light. And what I mean by this is that traditionally over the years, hunting has always been seen to be a winter activity um, <clears throat> carried out over the winter period. Of course, in South Africa, likewise, um, I'm pretty sure around the world, uh, there's things that have come up like you know the rutting of certain species um, as well as just the cooler climates cooler conditions longer hunting periods and stuff like that so it's become more traditionally known the winter period as the hunting destination as the hunting period of the year this also allows for certain areas in South Africa um, under the proclamation of uh, species to be hunted so they only allow you to hunt um Typically from, I think it's about the 28th of April uh, or May, right up until the end of August. So it's quite an important period and it's quite an important topic to discuss. And and, and why? Why has it become important? Well, over the past couple of years, those of you that know, well, I mean, everybody knows by now, but 2020 was met with a lot of challenges as far as COVID is concerned. 
and it didn't do our industry any justice as far as business perspective goes. A lot of guys would argue the fact, and I'm one of them, that it did benefit our wildlife immensely, immensely. It gave a chance to sort of recuperate, get into the the um, into the phase and get into the the um, the herd numbers really well. It, it it produced a really good outcome for our wildlife and. A lot of guys will disagree with me, but I, I for one, uh, saw a huge benefit as far as the wildlife species is concerned by just giving it a year's break. But what happened is, is that in 2021, um, a lot of us know that a couple, a couple of safari companies and and of course hunters alike, myself included, we tried to jam two seasons. We didn't we didn't tag out on, on 2020, so we wanted to come into 2021 and make up for lost time, uh, make up for lost opportunities that we had in 2021, uh, in 2020. And we moved it a whole year forward, but we tried to jam two years up into that. And what this did was it allowed safari companies to push the limits, to push the boundaries a little bit and accept clientele later on in the year or earlier on in the year and what that means is that it brought clients out into the summer periods now the summer periods are met with um, obviously breeding time of the year Uh, for instance right now it's february Um, other than the scorching heat we've got a lot of little ones running around so it all based itself on clientele preferences where you're coming out here to do a cull hunt where you're coming out here to do a trophy hunt and those sort of things and and what it allowed is um, the hunter to come out to South Africa and experience a whole experience a whole new world of hunting a whole new way of doing things a whole different scenery, um, different weather, different um, different techniques. And it's quite a unique thing. And I'm speaking from experience because I've just done a hunt now in December. I've just finished a hunt now at the end of January, going into the, the middle of Feb, or actually first week in Feb. Um, and we were met with some spectacular scenery, really, guys. I mean, we... we, we uh, we would go out for the afternoon session and you would watch an electric storm curl over the mountainsides and just you're met with this disarray of like Christmas lights just thundering down and it, you you can't help but sit and, and just be mesmerized by what has actually been happening out there. And it's... It's an experience, and and that's something that I've always really driven on my podcast and driven on my um, my hunting platforms is that people need to understand that this industry needs to be more about experience and less about the actual pursuit. The pursuit ties itself into the experience, but when people come out to our beautiful country, they want to experience everything. Everything. I mean, these last guys that came out here, Jason, Josh, Jerry and Cody, really great bunch of guys. And, and it it really just boiled down to the smaller things. They just really wanted to experience pretty much as much as they, they wanted to take everything in. We went as far as even one night having different cuts of, of venison just for them to, to taste and experience. But but set that aside, it, it, it allowed them to come out here, hunt in Africa at a different time. And experience the thunderstorms, experience the beautiful weather that we have, the heat, doing the swimming pool things, going out there, seeing the different kind of uh, plants, the flowers that are blossoming, the smells, the smells have been 
out of this world at the moment. Um, it's something that we would never really get in the winter periods because it's dry and it's cracky and it's all over the show. So that's that's what I'm trying to um, uh, relay is that it's different. It's completely different hunting now than what it wa- what it will be in winter. Um, yeah, you met with a lot of challenges, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But at the same time, you can't help but stop and just be mesmerized by a lot of the scenery uh, and a lot of the 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 activities that are that are going on around you. And of course, there's two aspects from it, and I'm going to dive in quickly, just briefly on this on the first one, and I mean that by the hunter. What does this mean for the hunter? Well, it means that you coming out and you've got to be willing and openly honest with understanding that the way you hunt this time of the year is completely different to how you would hunt in winter so technically i try and aim for early mornings hunt just into um before the heat really gets bad that 10 11 o'clock period rest it out for good three four hours until about four three four o'clock in the afternoon and then head out again because you're late you're hunting into a later period as well you're hunting into seven seven o'clock at night seven seven thirty and um so so don't get frustrated when you're around camp sitting around doing nothing because like i said i'll get into the ph side of things and you'll you'll understand where i'm coming from a little bit more um and then what does this do as far as you preparing yourself for coming over here? Well, bring lots of lots of insect repellent. Bring, um, but don't let that inc- discourage you. Really don't. I mean, our ticks, we've got a lot of ticks here, a lot of mosquitoes, that sort of stuff. We are malaria-free zone. Some parts of South Africa, some parts of the Southern African points have got malaria. Uh, so just keep in mind when you are communicating these sort of things with your outfitter just find out these small things don't ask any american platform or anything like that for what you need to bring out because a lot of guys and i've seen emails forwarded to us where people suggest bringing malaria tablets and all these sort of things it's 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 not necessary so just keep that in mind um can't rather contact your ph or your outfitter and communicate these sort of things with them and they will advise you as best as possible um so bring lots of tick repellent lots of insect repellent a lot of sunblock because the sun is scorching heat it's it's scorchingly hot here um i'm not so familiar with how the fahrenheit system works but what i can tell you is that last week we got into the 90s um and some especially this time of the year february march is a bit of our warmer periods um so the end of February, you can look at getting into the mid, uh, into the hundreds, 110, 115 uh, Fahrenheit. So we're looking at about 35, 38 degrees uh, Celsius. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Bring lots of sunblock. Bring a decent hat. Um, I often say to the guys when packing, I want you to pack as light as possible, but try and bring, we call them cricket style hats. Uh, that just pretty much cover your face, uh, cover your ears, and cover your neck as well. Um, <clears throat> bring a good pair of sunglasses, and yeah, of course, uh, it doesn't change uh, what we normally say to the guys is that your laundry will get done every single day, which it does 
in some places, some safari lodges. Um, but make sure that you, you pack for two sets of hunting clothes per day. Like I said, sometimes you get out there and a thunderstorm can be on you in an instant and you're having to, to change a few things out and changing your wet clothes um, as well as boots. Bring a second pair of boots. Uh, <laughs> this last week I, I literally went through three pairs of boots in a matter of three days so uh, I was uh, hunting in my my at the at the end of the safari <laughs> um, but yeah guys so just keep those basic things in mind um, but I do encourage you to keep communication up with your outfitter with your professional hunter because at the end of the day they'll be able to advise you what's best um, what it what best is going to be um, that's from a hunting perspective, uh, as, as the hunter, that's what I would suggest. Now, what does this mean for the industry, um, as a whole, as an outfitter and as a professional hunter? Well, as an industry as a whole, it allows us to accommodate more clients throughout the year, which obviously is a good thing for the tourist industry. And a lot of other things benefit from it. So the knock-on effect is great. Most of the time, a lot of the guys that have done these earlier hunts in the year, later hunts in the year, have always tagged along and done something extra after the safari. Drive down to Cape Town, do a lot of wine tour uh, tasting and stuff like that because the weather allows that. The weather permits that because <clears throat> once you get out there, it's beautiful. Uh, I mean... If I can paint you a little picture now, if you're listening to this, it is beautiful, sunny day. The grass is lush, 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 lush. It's just been cut, so the fresh grass smell. It's green. Um, the pool is crystal clear. Um, the doors are all open into the lodge, and I can just kind of imagine uh, some cocktails lined up there, a nice cold beer or cool drink uh, or soft drink, whatever you want to call it and just enjoying taking everything in uh we've got mint plants as you lead into uh the the lodge so the mint uh f smells coming through it's it's really just a special time so if you want to experience this on the next level doing tours to cape town doing the wine tours doing the garden route tours going out to the elephant parks and and just doing all those sort of things um the weather accommodates you for that. You're obviously not going to see a lot of animals during the, the midday, but um, but you can get a good wine tasting, you can get a brandy, gin tasting, any one of those things if that's what you fancy. Or just really going down to to some of the coastal resorts and kicking off your, your hunting boots, putting your feet in the sand and relaxing, maybe throwing a line in there and stuff. So the knock-on effect is much, much, much greater from from an industry point of view. What this means for the outfitter is that he can tr he can accommodate more clientele, which means that he's going to be busier for longer periods of time, which benefits everybody in the longer run. It benefits the staff. It benefits the professional hunters. Um, sometimes it puts a little bit more wear and tear on your felt as far as the roads is concerned, your fences, um, your vehicles, um, because you're not getting that routine maintenance in. So it delays it a little bit, but you would rather take the clientele in more than you would rather sacrifice that side for the clientele um, in in the longer long long run. And 
yeah, you know, it allows you to to also think outside the box. Now you're hunting different time of the year, doing outside lunches, doing outside um, entertainment a lot more, um, bras, setting that sort of stuff up, going down to the river, doing fishing, doing doing things differently and allowing to allowing yourself to get a little bit more creative and how to possibly give your guests the best um, experience possible and it leaves it with you know an interesting time of the year because a lot of guys might actually consider a lot of um uh, guests hunters instead of doing the honeymoon trip here they might actually consider actually getting married here and we we actually uh, at the start of last year we had a beautiful wedding yeah uh, very intimate uh, very small but it was met with some outstanding scenery the poplar trees all had its leaves on it was really really beautiful so yeah those are the sort of things from an out, outfitter's perspective you can sort of start considering um when opening yourself up uh, and allowing yourself to accept these sort of hunts this late or this early in the season and uh, don't let it discourage you what does it mean though to be able to do this sort of thing so so to try and understand how the industry works and how hunting as a whole in south africa is designed so there's three ways that this can all happen and the first one is uh, safari companies hunting concessions will have a thing called CAE Uh, that's a certificate of adequate enclosure which allows you which basically states that in the high fence perimeter all your animals that are here you own them and you have the right to do whatever you want with them for however long if you want to hunt them throughout the season you may do so and a lot of a lot of the concessions are based on that um and then the free range stuff we'll get into a little bit later so if your safari company has got this sort of certificate it can accommodate you throughout the year um obviously they would have strict principles set in place and i'll get more into that on the ph side of things but that's the first one second one his conservancies uh, for instance if i have touched on this on a podcast uh, recently or, or last year sometime um, conservancies are, are a group of farmers in a specific area that get together um, and do a lot of management uh, interaction with the game um, for instance uh, i'm just going to use this as an example down in fort beaufort there's a group of farmers that are part of a conservancy they formed a conservancy and they allow you to take a certain number of kudus off um, every year and they base this on the number of kudus in the area um, how big your property is and um, and the the regularity of how how often you hunt so if they give you a quota of say just just for example 10 kudu on your land you can hunt those 10 kudu bulls throughout the whole year but that's your quota so if you shoot your first your 10 kudu bulls out in the first two weeks of (laughs) of of the year you don't get any more throughout the whole season so that's that's something that allows you to do what what also the conservancy does is that um it never really puts so if if certain species aren't part of the the bag limit as such uh, you can also hunt them uh, for instance back down to fort beaufort the impala are pretty much huntable all year round there as well so 
that also allows the concessions to book these sort of places. Um, nine times out of ten, a lot of the farmers in these conservancies are stock farmers. So it allows the outfitter to go to these guys and acquire the hunting rights to these concessions. Um, and obviously this will benefit the outfitter in the, in the, in the longer run, um, as well as they, they're allowed to manage it the way they want to. So a lot of these farmers would agree, would have terms and agreements in place. Um, which, like I said, you know, it allows you to hunt um, as late as possible into the season. So, yeah, that's 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 number two. And then number three is any species that don't fall on the that doesn't fall under the proclamation. And what I mean by this is that doesn't have a season. For instance, yeah, in our area, Blessback and Mountain Reback, as well as Fellow Deer, don't have a season. Yes, of course, there are certain times of the year that it is better for them to hunt, but the government hasn't put limits, hasn't put bag limits on them, and hasn't put a season on them when it is, uh, when they are huntable. Um, so you can pretty much hunt them all year round. Um, this is very, very limited to uh, a limited amount of species. So just keep that in mind when coming out here. Yeah. Um, but like I said, most of the time, the, the outfitters, the, the safari lodges will have these sort of systems in place. And it's pretty well controlled and um, basically boils down to how well that particular landowner manages his herd of blessed buck or mountain rebuck or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, guys, those are the three ways of hunting South Africa that... Um, I think play a huge role in what sort of time of year you come out. Um, but like I said, the first two really are the persuasive or the the nail in the coffin of us having no excuse to hunt this late or this early on in the season at, at such a magnificent time of the year. <laughs> um, I, I get a little bit biased about this sort of time because... Like I said, I've, I've just finished two hunts in very similar conditions and very, very similar time periods um, that I have thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. And not just because of the animal quality, um, but just like I said, everything. And it boils down to, I mean, I, I remember we we were preparing for an afternoon hunt and I get this frantic call um from a very good friend of mine and uh, i've mentioned him a couple of times in the podcast or grant grant acting he's on a couple of my youtube videos as well and uh he comes down to the lodge he's like i found you your kudu i find you your kudu and um of course that early on in a safari you take the opportunity as best as possible and it and flip a nice ball so we head up into the middle of the mountains we're preparing our you know i was preparing to go out about 3 three thirty. Um, but he had spotted this bull as early as one o'clock in the afternoon. Rush down, load up everything, and we head out. And we see this bull, and he makes his way along. We, the mountain that's in the background over here, and I'm going to try and explain this for the listeners, um, is about six, seven thousand feet above sea level, but it's it's steep crances. Um and where the crances are underneath there there's like shale. Um so these small rock particles that have sort of given it like a U shape wash. And along these U shaped washes is there's a lot of thick vegetation, like thick trees and stuff. So this kudubul makes itself across the wash and ducks down into this thick vegetation. 
So we set up now, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. We set up for the shot. It's about a 280 yard shot up a hill. And the Kuru can really not go anywhere else without him, us seeing him. So if he steps out into the shale side, we're going to see him. If he steps out to the to our left, um, it's there was probably about 60, 70 yards of open grasslands across this hillside. So we patiently wait, patiently wait. And it gets to about, we, we sit there for about 45 minutes. And eventually... He doesn't, I mean, we snuck away in the bush. He knows we're there because, you know, when you're walking uphill, they, they tend to see you a lot quicker. So we're sitting in this bush and he knows we're there, but he can't see us because we're quite tucked away in the shadows. And eventually, um, one of the trackers get, get the sight of his horns and we, we judge him and we say, listen, he's a nice bull to take. And he starts feeding. But now it's it's four o'clock in the afternoon, so it's scorching heat. We know he's not going to move um, until later. So sitting out there, waiting this out was was nerve wracking. But while we were sitting there, and this is the point I'm wanting to get to, while we were sitting there, just the the aromas, the smells of of nature just coming through the pollen off the acacia tree. Um, there's a little orange flower. I'm not 100% sure what the name is, but apparently it's a really, really good insect repellent. So while we're sitting there, we, uh, we're getting pelted by like bugs. Like They're not biting us. They're just bugging us. You know, they, They're just around us and irritating us. So the tracker breaks off a couple of these branches and starts you know, rubbing them on himself. Um, and so we do the same. And the smell, it, it was just something so... There's something just just about it that just gives you this different feel about hunting. And eventually, to cut a long story short, um, Kuru comes out and Cody lines him up, puts in a, a good shot. And yeah, the rest was history. We actually had to go and recover him the next morning. That's how late he came out because there was not enough sunlight or not enough light for us to recover him. And as well, there was an electric storm building up. And when you're that high, <laughs> you don't want to be around when there's a thunderstorm. So made the quick decision to gut him out um and yeah we we uh left a couple of of shirts and stuff around the carcass so the the jackal wouldn't get to him and then recovered in the next morning but it was at that time waiting for that kudu bull that i realized that this is a very special time to be hunting because in winter you don't get this and uh, it also made our recovery a hell of a, uh, like a really lot easier because we had long, long grass that we could just slide the sail on. So, yeah, that, that was an experience that I'll always tre treasure. Um, but, yeah, on that point, getting into the pH side of things, it's more important than ever before for a professional hunter to be on the ball now at this time of the year because your management skills are going to be tested. So what I mean by this is that if you've got a trophy hunter, you know, it's not about size. You've got to remember that. Um, of course, you would love to get your client the best possible size, but you've got to, in the back of your mind, you've got to play up on genetics and you've got to play up on um, uh, on age. Is this bull worthwhile um, for breeding purposes? And... Is he going to reproduce? Um, for instance, a couple of the species that we've got here, like mountain reback, from like six, seven years old, they, they stop reproducing, but yet they're still in good enough condition to fight off the younger rams. So you actually want to start taking those guys out. 
so keeping all of that in mind is is extremely important and i think it benefits everybody in the long run and you you've got to you've got to communicate that message with your clients and a lot of clients i must admit um yet we've hunted are all about taking off management and it's for conservation at the end of the day so they want to look after the herds that they come and hunt at um, for future generations to come and for their kids their grandkids whatever the case may be to come and enjoy so just just communicate that message across and just say listen you know this is the way we hunt we're going to become more and more picky uh, you'll find as a professional hunter you pass up more and more opportunities on on trophy animals because you really start you get fussy within yourself of what you want to take why you want to take it off and and where you're going to take it off as well so that's important you know just monitor the herd numbers and and monitor the the age of the animal is critically important so yeah and likewise with the cow hunters so the cow hunters you don't want to be taking off females with little little lambs or or, or um or a lot of young ones you also you know this time of the year and then later on in the season like uh, just after the breeding season, you also don't want to be taking off pregnant ewes, um, pregnant females and stuff. So it becomes a little bit tricky. Um, like Grant, mentioning Grant again, while we were in the States, he did a cull hunt here in January. And uh, he just said it, he said it was so difficult because you're passing up animal after animal um, because you're looking for the old females. You're looking for the ones that can't reproduce, that can't, uh, that have nothing more to give uh to the herds and and the opportunities are few and far between you know how how often do you get uh, more or a lot of old females in a herd for a cow hunter it's, it's not often it's difficult it really is difficult so yeah don't don't take don't take it for granted and really guys just hone in on your skills and take this and use this as an opportunity to learn a lot more and like i said um I always use the off-season for preparation, for knowledge, and for understanding. What better way to do it than when you're out in the field, um, walking around amongst the animals to test your skills, and, and it really it, it, it puts a different light on the whole on the whole hunting aspect. So keep that in mind. Um, that's important. And then last but not least, something, <laughs> looking back now, something i've never ever ever thought of never i've i've heard the older generation always say it client management client management and you think to yourself these guys are coming over here with a lot of them have got a lot of experience in hunting and a lot of them might not have as much experience but they have somewhat sort of idea of hunting but I never thought of it until last year, January, I had two French clients out here. And <clears throat> obviously the conditions from Europe to South Africa, especially in the summer months, it gets a lot hotter here than what it does up north. And, you know, I've, I've, I've done hunts in the summer period, but it, 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 it was really, really relaxed. I mean, sometimes we would go out hunting, sometimes we wouldn't. And then if the client didn't feel like it, he would tell me he wouldn't feel like it. But with the French guys, number one, the communication was 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 a barrier. Uh, the communication barrier was an issue. And number two, they they were just such keen hunters. They just wanted to go, 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 go all the time. So after the third day, we came back into the lodge and we, we hunted hard on buffalo. And <laughs> 
the two guys i had a look at them i was like holy crap these guys are sun touched uh the sun's got into them and they're not gonna and the one guy actually snuck off during lunchtime and you know went back to his chalet and he just said he wasn't feeling well now fortunately our chef can speak french so you know eventually we get the communication out there that these guys might have have a severe case of sunstroke and and this didn't this didn't phase me i mean you know myself being involved in the sun most of the time like i said we you know doing farm maintenance or, or doing fence checking or anything like that um you're not you're not you're not aware that this this could be happening to to clients you know so that became extremely important was a huge eye opener for us although we did the sunblock and we did all that thing just basically being out in the sun and getting drained from fluids and all that sort of stuff just just made it really you know hunting in the thick acacia bushes with the heat beating down on you you're sweating constantly and stuff it just really made me realize that jeez this is where client management comes in and you know now i've i've evolved the game a little bit i've i've updated of of you know we we regularly put sunblock on um i've i've invested in quite a bit of juice that has more electrolytes in it that i need i, I haven't yet but i'm going to be start uh, traveling more with it in my vehicle um just so that you're constantly replenishing your fluids and you, you, you're putting back in what's getting taken out. And, and you don't realize how quickly this gets taken out because of the heat. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind as a professional hunter is client management. Constantly talk to your clients. How are they feeling? Do they feel like... And don't don't push your barriers. And that's why I say communicating with them at the start of the safari that this is going to be a different experience, a different way of hunting is, is critically important because they might get a little bit frustrated with you because you're not constantly going out there and beating away at animals you you're actually managing this this hunt you you you're strategically planning these things around situations and, and and vulnerable situations so keep that in mind that's extremely important and that's why i left it for last because um you know you like I said, I've learned a lot in my career from the genera- the generation before me, the older guys, and I've never appreciated it more until you get put into that situation that you think, ah, that little light bulb comes up and you're like, yeah, I remember them telling me about this. And you never, you're never quite aware of it until it happens. So to try and prevent that, I'm sharing this with you guys and I'm hoping you guys take it to heart and, and really take it seriously because it's a, it's a difficult thing to do. And um, it is, it is, it's extremely frustrating, don't get me wrong, um, for PH and a hunter to to sit around lodge sometimes for like three hours, but, but take it in, you know, have a nap, sit around the pool, um as a ph drink a couple of soft drinks as a client if you feel like it uh, just remember your limits and know your limits have a couple of cocktails or anything like that so yeah guys that's that's basically what i wanted to touch on today um i've had an extraordinary safari this past week um with josh and jason cody and jerry were joined uh they joined jason um the other ph on on the safari we shot some incredible animals i mean we shot this 31 inch waterbuck spotted him along the hillside grazing early morning early early morning like 6 30 and we we made us we made a plan 
I left my tracker behind and we figured out we're going to walk in this ravine up and get to sort of eye level of him and then walk around the hillside until my tracker told me that we we should be close enough to see him because he was grazing into a thicket and uh, as we start walking up this creek uh, Jason the client taps him on the shoulder he's like here's a water bike here's a water bike and I, I, I literally picked up my binoculars and for 10 seconds it must have been a split second and as I glassed him in the and I said that's the one you need to shoot and, and he did and it came to just over 31 inches and oh man you know when you shoot a quality animal like that you you sort of think it's taking me years, years to get an animal like that for a client. And then the very, and then for three days, you're chasing off the eland. And, um, you know, with, with, like I said, this time of the year, it, it offers you different experiences. And one of them is, is hunting in thickets and, uh, thick trees, you know, during the winter time, all the trees lose its leaves. So you, you can literally look into, um, a tight area a forestry area and you can pick up a bit of movement and stuff but literally when every tree's got a leaf on it it's so much more difficult so as an animal as big as an eland you can honestly lose them or lose sight of them when they're moving through these thickets and uh so for three days straight we chased after a group a good probably eight eight eland strong and there were a couple of bulls that we had an eye on them but Typically, like I said, this time of the year, you're looking for those big old bulls, smashed up horns, big brush on the forehead, um, and because you know those bulls can tell a story. Those bulls have been around the block. They never get long. You know, those those old bulls, it's like a buffalo bull. They wear their points down, and it's just from constant fighting and rubbing up against brushes and dominance, you know, and they get nice big navy blue, like steel blue, um, necks and you you can pick them up from a mile away anyway so literally on the last day uh, with the whole covid story you know you got to go and get covid tested and stuff like that so last day last you know last tr last try um, we in the afternoon late afternoon we set up quite high elevation uh, off off the flatlands um, so we had the setup is you're on a hillside, there's a road going across a hillside, it's probably about six, no, less than that, about 400 yards up into the into the mountain, this road is, and you glass down into this flat, and to your right, you've got an extremely thick uh, acacia forest, and to the left, you've got this open flat land that goes into a nice big dam, and we've seen the bulls in there before, so we go there, we set up, and we take our time with glass and glass and glass. And eventually, Jason picks them out. <clears throat> and from up there, we took our time nice and calm. It took about 25 minutes to plan our strategy. So, again, leaving my tracker up top because once you get in the thick stuff, I mean, those of you that know and hunt forestries, you get so disorientated. So it's nice to have a little bit of... And, and normally, because, because we were going to come from the other side... You, you you don't have a landmark. You can't landmark where you're standing and glassing because you're coming directly from the opposite side. So you can't look down from where you are because it looks different from the other side. So anyway, I leave my tracker behind, Courtman. We're on radios. We're chatting the whole time. The wind's swirling down there because it's a nice big basin. 
so you're constantly checking the wind anyway cut a long story short we go around we and we start the stalk and we're about 30 minutes into the stalk and i can feel the wind start swirling i feel this chill behind my back of my neck and i think yes this wind's turned on us and it's coming straight across us now keep in mind we're about 30 yards no i'm not 130 yards from the eland but it's so thick you can't get your shot in so you're going to maneuver into a place where you can pull off a good shot and i feel this chill in the back of my neck and i think oh yeah we go this wind's turned on us so i just i told the guys just to hang on hang on and with that my, <laughs> my beautiful little dog i love it to bits or kelly uh she somehow gets out of her harness off the back of the pickup and she saw a herd of red harder beast and she legs it straight to the left of us and starts yapping at these things probably about 400 yards away from us whether it worked in our favor or not Courtman radios in and is like the eland are showing interest they, they they're distracted by the noise that's coming from that side so with that we use that opportunity to sort of walk down to the right of us and get sort of an angle uh, for the wind and we get up we get up and we look and henry he's guiding me um to a spot where we think we can set up with the sticks because the whole setup is henry's working walking with the sticks because i'm constantly on the radio uh, and all of a sudden i see henry throw the sticks out and i'm like yes what the hell is going on yeah there's no way that they, we can get in an opportunity now and he points and he says they they're just there next to that tree and as i glass what i typically look for in the eland is is like i said a big brush broken down but it's the body condition that i'm looking for big body blue neck big dewlap because that's going to tell you age and i sussed this bull out i was like ah oh, yes this is a big bull he's probably about 10 11 years old maybe even 12 with the brush coming down all the way to the the the, the base of the you know just before the nose starts um, big brush big dark brush and i look and i'm like jace that's the one you need to take not long in length at all but just a bull that can tell many, many years of, of stories, you know. So anyway, set up Jason. He nails the perfect shot. And then the herd take off and, uh, you know, suspecting an eland and the body condition that they're in that he would take off and would have to do a follow-up shot. Um, and, and you can't, like I said, you can't see it. It's so thick. The trees have got leaves on. So you can't see movement, whether, like, you know, there's a bit of dust or something that has gone down or anything like that. So I see him shoot. I'm like, reload, reload. Uh, we pick the sticks up and we start walking towards because now what you want to do is, you know, it's a good shot, but so you want to get onto the blood, the blood trail as quickly as possible. So we're walking straight there and he's like, it's down, it's down, it's down. I'm like, I can't believe this. There's no ways get there and it's picture perfect shot so on my bigger animals i always tell guys to place it on the shoulder because you want to put that handbrake on um, and you're going to hit the vitals anyway but once you put break the shoulder you know he's he's sore he's hurt he can't move much much more so and that's exactly what he did and uh, just the pink foamy blood coming out and you knew straight away that that was picture perfect so incredible start to the 2022 season um out of this last safari, we shot, out of the six animals, we shot five of them with gold medal. One will will get to silver, um, and I'm extremely happy with the start. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been a really, really good start to the season. Well, guys, 
on that point um just once again taking this opportunity to thank everybody that supported me especially um on this journey i've taken and i i thank you so much for all the kind messages comments advice everything that everybody has shared with me entering my competitions everything it's just it's been it's been an unreal unreal experience and it's something i'll treasure for the rest of my life and yeah once again if you guys have got any questions or any suggestions on podcasts youtube episodes or anything keep an eye out on the youtube i'm hoping reese from new Isle republic will be ready with my first episode this weekend i'm excited about that and um yeah so if you have got any suggestions any advice or anything like that please hit me up uh, i'll try and reply to as many um and all of them as possible and i just want to share this experience with you guys so yeah once again thank you guys and uh thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe like and follow until then if you are happy hunting stay safe stay blessed and stay humble we'll catch up with you guys soon cheers <laughs>